Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? Oh, not much, Pat. It's getting chilly outside. I'm in the holiday spirits already. We had our first Friendsgiving on Sunday. It was awesome. Really? Because uh, I wasn't uh, invited to that. It wasn't my... So so I should I should, read, I should uh, uh, kind of... I didn't host the event. It was at my uh, my wife's like best friend's house, so I was not allowed to invite my friends there. I mean, I'm friends with the people who were there, but it wasn't like, hey, Pat, who do you want to come? Because you would be at the top of my list, Jerry. Good save. Good It'd save. Be you and Ian and Tom and, and Stone the- Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold. The Rock obviously is going to get the invite. He might not show. John Cena never shows up. He says he's there, but I never see him there. Uh, you know, so there's there's just a you know there's a whole litany of people that I want to come to these events, but unfortunately, it was not my party to create the uh, the guest <laughs> list too. So it's okay, it's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, we had a, we had a good time. Also, like you know, it was a good weekend, man. The the Patriots won. They they won in a a close game against the Eagles. So it was good to see the Eagles lose because the Cowboys also won. So that moves the Cowboys up. Uh, it gives them a, a more solid lead in their division in the NFC East, and of course. Patriots sitting at a nice nine and a one right now, uh, well ahead of their competition in the uh, in the AFC East. So this combination of numbers and words seems beneficial. So I'm happy for you, Pat. It is good. It is good, Jerry. As we say, it was a good weekend in sports ball. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. How, how was your weekend? It's good, man. Uh, I dove into the Pioneer format a little bit. Nice. Uh, how was so, that? Uh, kind of miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so I wanted to get ready for, you know, because we're doing on December 14th, the big Pioneer event. Yeah, uh, at Gaming Etc. I'm excited about that. Pioneering a legacy. Yep, uh, yep. We're still work, work, workshopping the title. But <laughs> yep. So December 14th, big Pioneer event. We're going to stream it, you know, blow out all the cannons uh, like we usually do. That's, that's not a saying. but That's okay. definitely an idiom. Don't worry about it. Pink is a pistol. <laughs> Good Lord, I can't even form a cogent simile anymore. So I'm like, oh, what's like an easy way to get into this format? So Because I don't know like any of these cards because it's all just standard cards that I never played with. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, like blue, green, Oko ramp. That seems like an easy way to get into the format, Pat. You know, literally the game plan is turn one, mana dork, turn two, mm-hmm. Oko. Was it Gilded Goose? Is that the guy? Gilded Goose, Elvish Mystic. Oh, uh, like there's three mana dorks. I forget. It's another elf that ta- taps for one green. So you basically have 12 mana dorks, Oko, and then just like it's basically green stompy from there. A bunch of just sure. like overpowered, low casting cost creatures to just push your opponent's face in. Pelucranos, is that in there? Uh, yeah, Pelucranos is a one of uh, Questing Beast. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, that's good. So uh, there's also uh, what is it? Steel Steel Wilt Liege or something like that. It's like oh yeah, green 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 for a five four or something yep. like that. So it's just like a bunch of just like big dumb green creatures. Like oh, this seems like the perfect way to get into the format because I don't know what's going on. Just big play big green dumb people and go to town. Yep. 
Uh, apparently, everyone else on Magic Online also had the same idea, oh, Pat. Geez, yeah. <laughs> I did two leagues of Pioneer. All 10 matches were the mirror match. So <laughs> is this the deck playing Nykthos? Uh, yes. Right. Yeah, it's also running yeah, Nykthos. So I think, I think Nykthos is probably too good for Pioneer. Which is crazy, uh, but, but I think it's, it's too good for the format. It, it's not even no, it's not even Nykthos. It's Oko. Like I don't think I've actually really, really used Nykthos that much in the deck. Well, you're, how are you not using Nykthos in that deck? Because I go turn two Oko. I I mulligan to turn two Oko every time because it's super easy to get. You basically it's just mulligan to Oko, and you'll pretty much always have land lands mana dork in your hand as well. Jeez. So uh, I mean, yeah, you just go turn two Oko every time, and it's real hard for your opponent to catch up unless they also go turn two Oko. <laughs> did you um did you five zero a league? Where are we going to see your list in the deck dump? No, because it's I basically went five and five because oh, every geez. match every match was the mirror match, Pat. It basically came down to who won the die roll. <laughs> um, of course. Like my best sideboard card is sleep. Because <laughs> you just the both players just get a bunch of creatures on board and then whoever draws sleep first taps down their opponent's creature and then swings for lethal. What about something like uh Bow of Nylea? Uh, and like and like and Nylea God of the Hunt. Why not, why aren't those in the de- in that deck? Uh, it does run the, uh, the uh, w- no, it runs one of the zombie gods. I forget oh, which what it's like called. Here's, so Nylea gives all your creatures trample, and then the bow of Nylea gives all your creatures death touch. So even if your c- opponent has a full board of creatures, your creatures only will deal one damage of damage to each creature, and then they just trample the rest of the damage over. Because that's how I won, that's how I won a ton of games in standard with mono green devotion. Uh, sure. I mean, I, I wasn't really looking for, I was more just looking for... Like how to? I wasn't really looking to break the format. I was just more looking to understand the format. Of so, course, no, no, yeah, I understand. Pat, I really know the blue green Oko matchup. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, you played it ten times. So that's, that's, that's a good so, start for practice. Yeah, whenever that's on coverage, will be good. Any other deck on coverage, uh, not so much. Awesome. Uh, I can't wait. I, I actually haven't played any games. I need to really like. I need to borrow your account and just start jamming games of Pioneer because I got to learn the format and uh, kind of see where where it's at right now. Yeah, I'm hoping it was just kind of like new format, people figuring stuff out, you know, the consistency of Magic Online, people just looking for the best stuff to grind value. Like, I'm hoping the paper meta. Yeah, I'm just hoping the paper meta is vastly different. Um, It's got to be, right? Yeah, like, because I talk to so many people who tell me about their sweet Pioneer deck. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Wish I saw that online ever. (laughs) I think Pioneer is going to have two forms, right? It's going to have the online metagame and, like, well, online slash, like, big paper event metagame. And then it's going to have your local metagame. Hopefully the local metagame is always, it always seems to be more fun and uh, janky than, like, the online metagame tends to be. I think in, in general. Yeah, and yeah, if that's the case, I, I think it'd be sweet, because I, yeah. I was having fun. Despite myself, Pat, I had fun. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, There's but, a chance that Oko's not long for that world, though, you know? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be sad if he got banned. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have something to talk about when it comes to the ban and restriction announcement that was today, but first, I want you to introduce our guest, Jerry, because we do have a guest for today's episode. We have an awesome guest on He's been today. waiting very patiently, by the he way, has. as we talked about our weekend and Jerry five-fiving uh, a bunch of Pioneer Leagues. He's definitely a much better person than either you or I, Pat. For sure, yeah. Uh, also, uh, we talked about this before we started recording. He's stealing your legacy newbie crown, Pat. He is officially newer than you so to legacy. In preparation, in preparation for that challenge, I have completely oiled myself up. I'm wearing a wrestling singlet, and we are going to wrestle for the title <laughs> of legacy newbie. I think I think he could take you. I think he could take you. He's got a good beard, <laughs> so that's a that's a good start. 
uh he also he's also wiry you know i think he probably does like krav maga or something like that sure 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 <laughs> but anyways welcome to the cast joshua higgins what's up buddy how you doing man thanks for having me on guys yeah definitely awesome to have you so we wanted to have you on josh because uh, you're a good friend of mine uh local bostonian magic player you're super into legacy and magic in general and uh you actually asked us a question at the same time that uh, loads of other people were asking this question as well so we figured uh you know we'd have you on the cast to be our little guinea pig and kind of answer everyone's question at once and that's how to get into content creation for magic the gathering yeah, I mean, I uh, like you said, I'm a new player. I've been, uh, I think I've just hit my three-year anniversary of, of my first Legacy tournament. Believe it or not, it's been that long. Nice. Um, so uh, I've come a long way since Mono Black Pox. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, after the SCG um, announcement, I think we, I, I felt I felt sort of a compulsion to to contribute to the uh, the community in some way. Um, and you know, you guys do a great job on this podcast. So I, I figured, uh, I'd start with Jerry. Maybe yeah. that was the wrong, maybe that was the wrong decision, but <laughs> I'm starting with Jerry. <laughs> you came to the right place. Uh, in the words of Bill Maher, fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> uh, I don't think that was Bill Maher. Uh, some, that was Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly yeah. <laughs> some racist <laughs> white Bill. dude named Bill. <laughs> Different Bill. Um, well, let's, before we get, I do want to answer the guide to content creation, because I think that's going to be a really uh, interesting segment in the episode. But I do want to go over the b- banner restrict announcement first, Jerry. Yeah, let's talk about that. We had this episode all set up and lined up perfectly, and then Wizards dropped a bomb on us this yeah. afternoon. I was not <laughs> expecting anything. In t- I mean, I didn't I was, even know there was an not, update today. Like, I so thought it was I an emergency that, ban at first. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, I, I know they're doing weekly Pioneer updates. I didn't realize that Legacy was also a possibly included in those. Is that what happened? Or was this a normal... Does that mean we're going to possibly get weekly legacy ban updates as Uh, well? (laughs) I hope not. I hope not. Um, But this is this one's been a long time coming. Obviously, anyone who's listening to this podcast, you know, this is going to release on Friday. So today's has it been a long time coming? I think a lot of people would argue. I know our friend Zach is a firm opponent of harden the fuck up and adapt. It's I just don't like I. I I agree. Usually, me and Zach are on opposite ends. Zach's Zach's a great friend of mine. I respect his opinion, but him and I almost never agree on stuff. And I I agree with him on this. Like, I don't think enough time has necessarily passed. Ren and six. I don't necessarily think Ren and six deserves a ban. Wow, wow. Well, you and I are. I don't know, man. We're on different sides of this argument, Jerry, for sure. Like, is it is it a powerful card that's like doing things with the format? It's like yes, but like think, would you put Ren and Six on the same power level as like Sensei's Divining Top or Deathrite Shaman? Like, I don't think that it meets that bar. It's well, <laughs> I think I think banning Ren and Six, we have lowered the bar for what constitutes a bannable card. So, all right, so here's here's my here, so they actually had a really nice write up. I want to read the write up because it's two paragraphs, and I think it's it very clearly states kind of the way I feel, and I, I just don't feel like I should just. Say it. I think that if I read it, it's going to be a little bit more concise. All right. Yeah, do it up. All right. So here's here's the, their reasoning for their 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 banning of Ren and Six. So since their adoption of Ren and Six, Teamer Delver variants have become dominant in Legacy, which we all know is true. That's that's you know, that's un, uh, un undoubtable. Uh, in Magic Online League play over recent weeks, Rug Delver has maintained a fifty six and a half percent win rate and earned over three times as many five zero finishes as the next deck. So. Uh, granted, like Magic Online leagues, probably not the best way to 
judge what is band worthy and legacy. It's certainly a um a marker to judge the format by. But because we have and now we have even fewer like larger tournaments and legacy, it's probably the best the best thing they have to kind of check the uh, health of the format. So that's that's the caveat I will make there. Uh, most importantly, it has a favorable. Now, this is Rug Delver has a favorable matchup against each of the 10 other most played decks. And again, this is not like how do you feel the matchup is This is not like, oh, how, you know, skilled players. Versus not, this is like just the way the math shakes out. So, again, this is. Accounting for for all those things, um, and it, they also say like, while a strong card in general, Red and Six is especially powerful in Legacy because of because of its interaction with Wasteland and the historic prevalence of metagame defining one toughness creatures like Mom, Thalia, Young Pyromancer. Uh, prior to the addition of Red and Six to Team or Delver decks, the Legacy metagame was generally looking healthy. Uh, so basically, that, and, and basically in order to weaken Team or Delver and bring the metagame into a better balance again, Red and Six is banned in Legacy. And like, didn't I? I feel like didn't you say that Legacy felt so good before Modern Horizons came out, and then it really started to feel not great? I know, I know yes. you said that. No, so I don't even know if this is a rhetorical question. And, and so this is gonna like really undermine my argument here, but I actually <laughs> <laughs> I agree with everything said in that paragraph. Yeah, I I just also agree with Zach's main point of not enough time has passed. Like, Ugh. Like they're just like we had to put up with Deathrite Shaman for God knows how long. That we had to put up with Sensei's right. Divining Top even because, longer. Listen, because we were forced to 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 play in unfun formats doesn't mean that's the way that it should be. Just because that's what has happened in the past, like like legacy players have been saying, Wizards, please don't forget about us. Like be more proactive. We want powerful cards. We want bands that are going to make the yeah. Look better. how that look how that worked out for us. We okay. asked for more powerful well, cards, and they gave us a bunch of terrible cards that the, warped and destroyed. There was a the there was a play design there was a play design uh, article that came out uh, today that I actually read through and was really interesting about you know how they kind of missed the mark with some of the cards they put out. Anyway, that's not really the point. The point is is that you know just because we've had to endure shitty formats like shitty like formats for long periods of time doesn't mean that that's the way it should be. Or the way that it's going to be going forward. I, I like I, this. I like this band. I think I think Rug Delverdex being such a high percentage of the format was not great for the format. Like, yeah, and don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not necessarily saying that banning Ren and Six is bad. I I think banning Ren and Six probably in the long run will probably turn out to be good. Mm-hmm. I just think, at least based on you know past uh, you know requirements, it we've we've changed the bar as far as what constitutes a bannable card. And I don't think that enough time have been has passed for people to metagame against Ren and Six, and I, I, I think that's I think that's a horseshit argument. I think it's crazy. <laughs> I do. If there was a better deck against Ren and Six, it would be online. Like you can't say there was not enough time has passed. It's been like six months since 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 Ren and Six has been out. Man, I I feel like such the devil's advocate right now because I was literally in your shoes arguing with Zach about this like <laughs> a couple weeks ago, taking you know, like your Zach's percent. too smart and he changed your mind. I don't like it. <laughs> Stop it, Zach. <laughs> no, but Stop it's being like, such a reasonable human, Zach. Like, I think Ren and Six is a super powerful card. I'm definitely not sad that it's banned, but I also don't think banning Ren and Six is going to fix the legacy format and the legacy meta. Like, I think the issues with the legacy meta go beyond just Ren and Six. I think there's quite a few Planeswalkers that have done it, and not just Planeswalkers, but other cards in general that have, 
kind of made Legacy less enjoyable. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Legacy goes after this announcement and what the meta, meta, uh, meta shakes out to be. You know, yeah, I hope is, I'm wrong. Which, I hope it turns into another glory days of how it was right after Deathrite Shaman was yeah, banned. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because now we're going to have a metagame where, like, you know, uh, uh, what Force of Negation and Plague Engineer and, uh, you know, these cards are legal, but, but Renin 6 is not. I mean, look. All right. I hate Ren and Six so much. I hate that card. I'm so glad it's gone. I hope I can buy him for like a penny a piece because I'm going to burn him. I'm going to make a video of me just burning and like loving it. <laughs> Josh, Josh, what are your thoughts? So you're playing, you play Legacy, obviously. What are your thoughts on this ban? Like, do you, do you think it's a, a good move? I mean, sort of, you know, where's your head at with this one? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to know that my perspective is of a combo player. So the fewer Delver decks I see, the better. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I have to say that, that, I felt like Renin Six created boring games, mm-hmm. um, and you know I don't know if you want if you really want blue decks to be able to wasteland lock people. That just feels bad, you know. So uh, I, I'm I'm totally fine with it. Uh, to hell with Renin Six. <laughs> I love it. All right. Thank how you. do you how do you feel about Oko? Because there's already people clamoring for Oko to be banned, which yeah, that I think is just ridiculous. <laughs> That's a little much. That's a little much. Yeah, we'll see. I think you might be saying something different in six months, but I'm I'm, ca- I'm trying to call a shot here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you also think Oko is next on the chopping block? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what what I just want to I pointed this out on the Facebook group earlier today with Renin Six being the first ever Planeswalker being banned, and no Deathrite Shaman doesn't count as much as you guys want it to be. With Renin Six being the first Planeswalker to be banned. Does this mean that Renin Six is now the most powerful Planeswalker ever printed? More powerful than Jace or Liliana or any of them? I mean, it's been it's been it's been it's being played more than any of those. So then, yes, it is. Somebody yeah. on your uh, on your page, Jerry, pointed out that they've already banned a uh, Planeswalker and Deathrite Shaman. So. I, I already <laughs> said that doesn't count. That Deathrite Shaman doesn't count. But uh, then, Modern but, Horizons, Jerry, do you know when this was released? Uh, what a year ago? No, June of this year. <laughs> June of this year. Yes. Yeah. That's... So we definitely haven't had enough time for this Dude, to shake no, out of the that, meta. It's it's so bad that it became ban worthy in like fucking five uh, months. I don't. That's man. how bad it is. It's so bad that it lasted just over five months in Legacy. That's how it, bad it is. I don't know. Maybe I'm just talking from my ivory castle because like every deck I play just doesn't give a rat's ass about red and six <laughs> i feel like but jerry there's no way that you like playing against rug delver when you're playing against no rug delver when you're playing sneak and show there's no, no way i even i put there. sneak and show on the shelf because there were so many rug delver matchups yeah. everywhere and so what were you playing i was playing like uh blue white stone blade all right worse wow thanks yeah but you know what stoneforge mystic is a one two can't target true name nemesis and mm-hmm. it has a bunch of basics so it doesn't yeah. care about wasteland so no, no like, that's that. another deck where i just didn't really care about renin six that much mm-hmm. i so like maybe i'm just coming from my ivory tower where like it didn't really ever seem like that big of an issue to me but yeah i don't know it's just when the when it's when, when the i mean when when it's putting up what did they say three times as many five o's as the next nearest finisher that's like over three times as many. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, but and miracles granted, did that for like five years. <laughs> it wasn't, but it wasn't. That <laughs> that's an exact. That's an exaggeration, but yeah. it's not far from an exact. Far off it's, of an it's exaggeration. It's pretty far from exaggeration. It's pretty far. But I understand what you're saying. <laughs> but like, listen, listen, it's pretty. It's pretty. That's a pretty. That's a that's a pretty big stretch. I'm just saying, like, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have Watsy, who has like this laissez faire? Let the, let the metagame shake out. Like, yeah, they've been playing an awful metagame for five months. Let's give them another 18 months before we really take a hard look at the format. 
where everyone's yeah, complaining but like, about it. Listen, I'm not done. Where everyone's <laughs> complaining about it for two years until we make until we ban a card. Or should we be a little more proactive because we know these legacy players are some of our biggest fans uh, and we're going to be a little more proactive and try to make the format more enjoyable for those players. Yeah, but like we didn't even see a new cycle of cards getting printed. Like that's the other difference between what this band and the other dance. We didn't see a new dance? cycle of cards getting printed. We, like it, uh, it was true. It's been six. Yeah, but like as far as development goes, like all the cards that have been released since Ren and Six were printed were developed before uh, Ren and Six was released. So none of them could have been designed with the idea of stopping Ren and Six. Like sure, but like R and D never. Have- R and D never got a chance to like give us an answer. Like that's the we, difference between Ren and Six and Deathrite Shaman and Sensei's Divining Top is R and D consistently try to give us more and more tools to deal with Sensei's Divining Top and Deathrite Shaman, and none of them ban none of them worked. So eventually they threw up their hands like, all right, we can't come up well, with an answer not, to this. We're just banning it. Let's not act like Sensei's Divining Top and Deathrite Shaman were prevalent in the same metagame. They were not. One came after the other. Right, just like I, I consider like the epochs of legacy being like Sensei's Divining t- Top, uh, Deathrite Shaman, and now the very tiny sliver of Ren and Six. Yeah, but like I think the biggest complaint was like, why are we letting these metagames get stale for so long and just and be solved for so long? I just it just doesn't feel good to me. Um, it, I'm just I want to let you have this, Pat, because I just really don't care that much about Ren and Six. <laughs> I'm so I happy just, Ren and Six I just, is gone. I just was honestly surprised that I didn't necessarily think it needed a banning now, but I'm not really I'm not defending Ren and Six should yeah, be in the I format. Understand. <laughs> hey, we gotta make content, right? <laughs> you gotta talk about something. We can't just be like, yeah, this is good and move on. <laughs> um also Narset Narset got restricted in vintage. I don't know anything about vintage, but uh Rich Shea was very happy, so yeah. uh, I'm gonna say that's a win for vintage. I think we should just ban all Planeswalkers printed in 2019. I think that would be a huge step towards uh, bringing the legacy metagame. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna one-up you there, Jerry. I'm going to say let's just ban all the cards from 2019. Every card printed in 2019? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, also, one more thing I wanted to say. You were talking about, like, you know, Wizards hasn't, you know, they're, that they're not. We haven't gotten the cards designed to fight the cards that have been printed or that have been released, right? You had said that? Yep. I think that when you're dealing with the... When you have access to all the cards ever made in Magic the Gathering, you shouldn't be waiting for standard sets to answer cards that are released. There should already be cards out there that, uh, that answer the cards that are coming out. I would say that with the caveat being the exception being Planeswalkers, because yeah. for whatever reason, Wizards has really dragged their feet with uh, ways to deal with Planeswalkers. You, you say whatever reason. We both know the real reason why they don't have efficient like answers to planeswalkers, right? So the marketing team has yes. forced R and D to drag its feet yes. on nerfing the their mythic, cash the cows. Mythic slot was created for planeswalkers to sell packs. That yes. that's that's just that's just listen. That is just the fucking that is the reason. Yeah. And they don't want to they don't want to make planeswalkers irrelevant, even though it's been bad for the game. It's been bad for the play of the game because it sells packs for them, and that's how they make their money. And we live in a capitalist society. Yep. So. That's I mean that's just that's just the reality of the situation. I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that's the reality. So are are all the episodes this dark? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're taking a, we're I feel taking a real sad dis- now. I know. Anyway, taking a real dystopian turn. Uh, we just <laughs> we just saw the new Terminator, and you know we got Doomsday on our mind. I listened to Pink Floyd's The Wall today, so that's kind of just a kind of wow right now. Wow. <laughs> Josh, would you like to weigh in on why Oko will be the next card banned in Legacy? <laughs> Are you is that an actual question? Yeah, that's <laughs> an actual question. 
Uh, for similar, I think probably for similar reasons to why Ren and Sex was banned, uh, it creates boring games. Uh, I think you, the legacy community in particular, wants sort of fast-paced, highly interactive, you know, either through the board or hand disruption or, you know, quick, cheap counter spells. You want to be, you want to feel like you're slinging spells when you're playing legacy. I think, mm-hmm. and Oko kind of mutes that experience. Yeah. All that's right. my that's my noob experience. That's my noob explanation. No, Very that's actually easy, a great explanation. You're encroaching on my status again. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I, I I just think that also represents a dynamic shift in the way the ban and the restricted list is curated. Because for the longest time, the ban and restricted list were just cards that were banned because they were too powerful or format warping. Now it seems with the Ren and Six ban and with this kind of argument that that uh, Pat made that. R&D might be shifting towards a more active hand in pruning the card pool to be the best experience, not just from power level wise, but more kind of like similar. uh, It reminds me of like League of Legends, how League of Legends makes balance patches all the time, not necessarily because something's too powerful or underpowered, but just really to, you know, make it a more enjoyable game. I I loved everything you said, Jerry, and agree with it 100 percent up until you started talking about League of Legends. I don't know what that is. (laughs) Listen, if you can make Patriots references, I'm going to make Teemo references. Oh, no, 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 that's fine. Did you say Teemo? <laughs> yeah, Teemo. I'll tell you when you're older. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're probably right, Jerry. There's, you see that kind of stuff in, in, in a lot of games that, that I've played, you know, where you are trying to find a balance. Um, but it's really interesting. I, I, I was going to ask you earlier if, if you felt like the, the legacy community is more engaged online now, giving more feedback or make, creating some kind of more intense feedback loop for Watsi to have have more bans more often. Um, like I, I don't have a whole lot of context on how often bans happened have happened in the past, but yeah, I just think it's interesting. Yeah, I mean it definitely is. I mean I don't think we have an official answer. Watsi certainly hasn't come out with one, but it is a kind of just an interesting way to look at the ban and restricted list going forward, not just as a uh, like kind of a power level valve where you can twist and turn it to you know make sure the format doesn't get too out of control and now being more towards uh what is the best experience uh curator uh there was they did mention uh in the play design article that was also released today um from uh Brian Hawley he said that they have a new acronym for the way they want magic to be perceived by their audience you want to hear what it be you want to hear, oh, you I, I hear what saw, it is i've seen the memes i actually haven't seen the original post they yet but people are riffing fire. Fire. Which is which is an acronym, which we all know is the best way to run our lives. Yes. Uh, magic should be fun, inviting, replayable, and exciting. And I love that fun is the first one. I think that I think and I agree with Josh, Oko and Ren and Six make for uh games that are not fun. It it also makes more sense as far as legacy goes, moving away from being a, a you know, main competitive uh, format to being more community driven and casual, which yeah. definitely has been the way legacy has been going for the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah. And I think to its benefit, to be honest, like I, I was never a huge fan of it being like a major competitive format. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I can agree with that because you, you competitive P is usually what also drives like the toxicity of a group. Like I feel that's why legacy traditionally has been much less toxic as a whole compared to modern or standard because modern or standard have had that more competitive leaning, whereas mm-hmm. legacy is more about kind of the com- the community and the fun of it. Yeah. Uh, I really don't want that to be true. I mean, I grew up playing sports and I feel like I really don't want that to be true about a competitive com- community. I feel like you should be able to have the wherewithal as a as a human to balance being competitive with not being a shitty human. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree with Man, that. Man, Josh is just like a bright ray of sunshine <laughs> in our garbage dump. It's, it's no dystopia. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, they, jo- I think they call it hope. It's a, it's a French word. I think. Wow. I got to look into getting me some hope. <laughs> it's a silent H, maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> one thing I just have to go go back to, though, is if they ever if they do ban Oko, I'll be flabbergasted. Because can you imagine during, uh, what is it, War of the Spark, pre- or no, Eldraine previews, a time traveler comes back in time and says, "Yeah, this planeswalker gets banned." Yeah, in all like, formats. Like, like nobody even thought this was going to be playable. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's yeah. It just it just it just makes it not like it. It just makes it not the game's not fun. I think. I think it just leads like Josh said. It leads to repetitive, boring games, and that's just not what you want in legacy in any format, really. You know. Yeah, which yeah. is why Tom Hep and I, Tom Hep and I have been for. Since it happened, saying that the London Mulligan leads to this, but everyone says we're crazy, so yeah. I'm, I'm leaving it there. But if you guys don't like uh, boring, repetitive games that play out exactly the same every time, maybe you should look to increase rather than decrease variants. Mm. Um, just real quick, uh, I wanted to just talk about what do you... Well, obviously, Rug Delver uh, probably goes back to being Tier 3, because I don't think it has any other cards that like put it way up over the top of everything else. So I think it becomes... I don't want to say unplayable because there are going to be those diehards who play rug, but it's definitely going back down. I think it just goes back to now Grixis Delver is back being the uh, Delver deck. I, I disagree. Choice. I disagree big time because if you remember before Renin Six was was released, Grixis Delver was not really on the radar of being even the best Delver deck. It was blue red. I think I think blue red is still much better than Grixis Delver. Do you mm. think? Uh, do you think the card that gains the most is Baleful Strix? Um, I'm, I'm just wondering about Grixis control now that these cards aren't getting pinged. Yeah, so like, yeah, the X. A lot of people are saying like X ones, like Young Pyromancer, uh, Mother of Runes, Thalia, Delver of Secrets, to a lesser extent, are going to be like making a big comeback. Um, I I don't know if that's the case, and, and certainly like you can lump Baleful Strix in there as well. I don't I don't know. Um, I I just I just think that these. <sighs> No, I don't. I you know. I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's not poised to make a big comeback. Um, I still really feel like Blue Red's probably the better of the Delver variants at this point. Um, it has a very consistent mana base. Uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fast enough. It's gonna have a good clock. It's gonna have permission. It just answers. It answers all those ticks. I just think that Grixis Delver, while like there are still people out there who are gonna be able to play that deck and play it really well. Um, I I just don't think it's gonna have the it doesn't have the speed that it had before with Deathrite Shaman, uh, so I just don't think it. I think that's what I think that's what put it over the top was the speed and the, uh, the access to all your colors so quickly with Deathrite Shaman. I think without that, it's probably just not going to be not going to be where it was previously. Um, a card like Plague Engineer is probably going to be interesting too. I know that we haven't mentioned that, but Plague Engineer is still kicking around from from uh, Modern Horizons, so it'll be interesting to see if that wipes out all these one ones or not. I mean, it is a three drop, so that's worth noting, but. Yeah, I do think Plague Engineer's uh, value goes up because there's going to be a bunch of people being like rushing back to their one toughness creatures, you know, saying, oh, the witch is dead, the witch is dead. Mm. And then Plague Engineer hits the board. <laughs> yeah, it'll be interesting. Well, I mean, the the interesting thing, too, is like, is the, is the three mana creature going to be the answer for all these like one and two drops? I don't know. You know, yeah, but that's the thing. Is I think I think that's the appropriate power level that it should be at. Like one of the problems with Renin Six is it was a two drop. Yeah, like Play, Plague Engineer being a three drop makes it seem much more manageable. You know, mm-hmm. it's not 
it doesn't feel it's not such a feel bad. It, sure. It's a, the feeling is hard to put into words, but I feel like everyone listening pretty much gets it as far as like the feeling you get playing a creature deck when a uh, red and six comes into play yeah. versus when like a plague gen- engineer comes into play. Hmm. Um, one thing, Nate Golia had the hot take on Twitter. Uh, he thinks that Infect is going to be insane now. Basically, I, from from our quick chat was based on Veil of Summer being a sideboard card, which I thought was insane because like Infect was not on anyone's radar like prior to Modern Horizons coming out and hasn't been since Modern Horizons came out. But all of a sudden, he thinks Veil of Summer is the answer to to all that deck's woes. I think it's an insane thought, but I want to know your your guys' opinions on that. I'll let Josh go first. Yeah, I mean Veil of Summer and not losing your one one right away seems pretty good to me um i i want infect to be good <laughs> i think it's a sweet deck <laughs> it is a sweet deck i just i i, I don't buy it what, what about you jerry what do you think uh, i think veil of summer is a huge addition for that deck just mm-hmm. because veil of summer is just a huge addition for any deck that can use it to mm-hmm. its full extent um i think it being banned in pioneer is is uh, a testament to that um, I don't necessarily think Infect's going to be insane right now. Is it definitely more playable than it was when Ren and Six was legal? Yes, 100%. I'd, will it take down the next major event? Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I, I just think, like, what are the what are the biggest issues for, like, for, for me as a, as a Delver player? Like, Bolt is what I'm going to kill all those creatures with. I'm going to do it on my turn. Um, mm-hmm. So if he's playing, if he's wasting a card in Veil of Summer... I just, I just, I'm not a huge fan of that strategy there. Like, especially as a sideboard card, like, mm-hmm. and you also still lose your your card to you lose your your guys to um, swords to plowshares and things like that. So I just, I, I think that you know, we, like we were saying, Grixis Elver is not going to be the big bad boy of the format. So you're not going to be stopping so many, uh, you know, uh, fatal pushes from getting to your guys. I don't know, man. I just. It, I think it's definitely going to be an interesting meta the next few weeks because I think this is going to be a meta where everyone thinks that their deck is going to be the best and it's going to be a slugfest to figure out who's right. Yeah, yeah. I just he, he he was very adamant. He thinks it's going to be really good. I just I just don't see like adding two sideboard or three sideboard slots to a deck makes it go from makes it makes it from being like a a tier two deck to a tier one or or better deck. It's just, I mean, make sense the other the other thing to keep in mind with uh in fact is they also did uh add to fairy mm-hmm. uh to the list and we saw some list uh put up results with the with the three minutes of fairy mm-hmm. and that was doing works but then uh Renin 6 uh followed pretty soon after it. Um I don't necessarily think it's going to set it over but in fact, has gotten a, uh, two very powerful toys in the last year. Yeah. Well, I guess, Nate, we're going to have to see, man. You got to post some numbers for us. Put up some results. Let's do it. Let's see it happen. All right. Well, let's get into the main uh, topic for tonight. This is supposed to be the entire episode, but uh, we got we went a little off the rails with the ban and restricted announcement, as we as we normally do. <laughs> uh, but we but we are getting into a guide to content creation because, like Jerry said, I don't know if he said in the pre-show or if it was before recording, but we do get a lot of questions from people asking us, you know, about how to start their own, you know, either podcast or they want to do an article series or video series or stream or whatever. Um, and so a lot of people are asking us for advice and we thought it'd be cool to have like a one-stop shop uh, f- sort of for that, those answers, right? Yeah, for sure. And I think uh, we should probably set out start off with uh, Josh asking his questions because I feel, Josh, you have a lot of questions that probably a lot of people out there who are interested in getting into content creation also have. And 
I think there's a lot of people out there because with the Star City Games announcement, it's kind of lit a fire under a bunch of people's butts to mm-hmm. get out there and, you know, do stuff for the community. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, taking into account my level of experience, you know, I'd still want to contribute to the community that, you know, I've been I've been enjoying being a part of. Um, I have a, a few questions I wanted to to talk to you guys about. The first, I mean, the first one is really just about the, the gap, any gaps that you see in the content now. And my two cents is that, you know, there's a, there are a lot of folks, uh, really great magic players playing at a high level, you know, on YouTube videos. And then there's, you know, the, uh, the sort of VODs. I don't actually know what that stands for, but um, for, for tournaments like the League of Leaving a Legacy tournament. Um, but, uh, you know, looking at basically how sports replays go or, mm-hmm. you know, sports analysis goes, um, I just wonder if there are there are other things that that you could see being useful to the community. Yeah, I mean, so that kind of plays into advice that I uh, I give a lot of people when they ask these sorts of questions is the first step in getting into content creation is find your niche. Um, you know, in order to be somewhat successful uh, in content creation, you kind of have to find that area that no one else is really doing and be that person. You know, if you think about it, like who is the face of something? Like mm-hmm. when I think of like death and taxes content, I think of Phil Gallagher. When I think of storm content, I think of Bryant cook and our, and Cyrus, you know, uh, there are certain people, uh, that they're, they are so associated with something that they become kind of the face of it, the the almost brand name of it. And if you can think of an area that doesn't have that person, that doesn't have uh, that individual that's always associated with it, that's an opportunity for you to kind of be that person. Um, that this don't, don't get me wrong. This isn't the only way to get into it, but it is a, a way to get into content creation. Like when Adrian and I first started leaving a legacy, there wasn't really any mm-hmm. other legacy podcasts at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were, there was like a legacy breakfast and a couple others, but they didn't really, they weren't very consistent. They came out sporadically. Uh, others had been canceled. There just, there wasn't a consistent uh, legacy based podcast at the time when we started it. And that's what Adrian and I focused on. And really a big part of our success came from the fact that, you know, we were the only game in town mm-hmm. and you know, that's definitely changed. There's so many different legacy podcasts out there, which is great. Um, part of it, part of those podcasts started because we basically said, Hey, you know, we're doing this for us. If you don't like what we're doing, go and do your own thing. Yeah. And a lot of people took that advice and they did do their <laughs> own thing. And that's great. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to do it like us. You can do your own thing. And that's, that's, they found their niche. You know, we always were a more casual aspect of the game and we're always, we're very opinion uh, based, you know, to our detriment or not. Other podcasts are much more analytical. Mm-hmm. Other podcasts are much more competitive. Other podcasts have like a very strict structure and, you know, that's what they want to do and that's what their listeners go to them for. And that's great. So, Really, I would say your first thing is like find your niche and it doesn't have to be like you're this deck guy or you're this whatever. It can just be as simple as, hey, I want to be the person who has really competitive focused videos or I want to be the person that does jokes while I stream like anything like that. (laughs) I I have to say, too, and just to add on to that, another one of our kind of like tick marks on our list here was uh, that I am really passionate about is make stuff that you want to see, because if you're if you if there's something out there that you find that, you know, something that you want to see. 
something you're that you find either humorous or really helpful or whatever the case is, chances are you're not the only one who feels that way. And that's an all, another really good way, like Jerry said, to kind of find your niche, like find where you fit in. Um, if you're making something that you that you want to see, it's also going to be, be something that you're probably passionate about, that you enjoy doing, which is also like a huge component of it is being, you know, finding something that you that you want to see put out there and really enjoying that are like two of the biggest things to me. It's going to it's going to help lead to, like Jerry said, consistency and all those things. Yeah, that's a great that's sort of what you know where my head was at you know i've been i've been playing reanimator for a while and now i just put together alluren and alluren's my favorite my favorite thing right now to play <laughs> but it's also my first brainstorm deck mm-hmm. uh, so my my thinking was i need i need a tutorial on how the hell to, bra- to brainstorm <laughs> uh and when and how to you know how to uh when to brainstorm versus ponder if i have both in my hand you know these like having a maybe not a a matchup specific commentary but that's the sort of thing that that i would want and and maybe even some like game theory stuff Mm -hmm. you know um beyond just simple um you know probabilities and and things like that uh you know what do these what do these high level players think about when they're at high level tournaments you know that kind of stuff is what what i would want to see so that's a really helpful line of thinking i think yeah yeah i think i think those are really the two halves of it you know first figure out what you like, what you want to do, because if you don't like it, I guarantee you, you're not going to be doing it for very long. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how we get these projects that burn out after a couple instances the creator just realized they were getting into it for the wrong reasons. They don't actually like what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, first make sure, figure out what you like, what you want to do, and then think about who else out there already does this. And if the answer is no one, you should go be that person that does this. Yep. You know, you know, a good, good example of this is um, Aaron Campbell's uh, first podcast, The Deck Tease, was like the first like Magic the Gathering interview. Like, uh, I don't want to say celebrity because they weren't really celebrity. I don't think anyone in Magic is really a celebrity aside from like Reed Duke. But uh, and me, what's that? One. What? Oh yeah, I didn't say, it, well, I didn't say anything. Memes <laughs> that you spawn, that <laughs> photograph that you spawn. Yeah, you're okay. So Jerry, between besides uh, Reed Duke and Jerry, me, uh, oh, yeah, there's really no celebrities in Magic. <laughs> Uh, and, and and Justin, yes, you can absolutely cut that and uh, put it either in the beginning or end of the episode and email it out to all our people. But anyway, um, oh, Jesus, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I do. I do think that you know she kind of saw a void where no one was sitting down with these players and getting like you know the their story outside of the game of Magic. Um, and I think that James Shu has done a really fantastic job of doing a similar thing. Uh, Magic Man Sam was doing it as well. I don't know if he still makes content, but um, of doing these kind of, you know, more outside the game, get to know more the personal. person. Yeah, exactly. So that was a niche. I think that she, she had mentioned that she saw and she filled and, and that was a, a highly successful show. Um, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's huge, Jerry. I completely agree. Like you want to make sure that you feel passionate about what you're doing. And, <clears throat> and again, like, I also don't think that if you want to be the the other storm guy, like if you want to be like, all right, well, we know Bryant is into CES, we know uh, Cyrus is into Ant, like that doesn't mean that you can't make storm content. You know, um, a lot of times I think that if you actually reach out to people who are successful and people you look up to who are making that content, you say, hey, I'm also making content. A lot of times, because this is such like a small community, that they'll they'll help promote you, they'll lift you up, they'll give you advice, they'll they'll take you under their wing and. I would also say don't be afraid to reach out to people who are if you if there's something that you want to do that someone else is doing, 
reach out to them and, and say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in doing this as well, as well. And I think a lot of times that works in your that'll work in your favor. Yeah. I mean, with that, I think it just comes down to you can do similar things. It's just why are you different? It's, it's the same way as like building a deck. It's like, don't be the worst version of something that already exists. Mm-hmm. So like if Bryant comes out with an article on how to cabal therapy properly with the deck, don't come out with an article later that week also on how to sure, cabal therapy. Sure. Like like people want variety. People want different things. And it's just like if you if you're just if you copy someone too close. Mostly, you don't really you end up kind of cannibalizing the market. Yeah. Well, well, sorry. I guess maybe I should be a little more clear. Like what I mean is like there doesn't have to be just one guy putting out content with Ant. That's that's my main that's my main point. Yeah, like, right. It doesn't have to be just like if you if you feel really passionate about Ant, then put your own spin on on that content and, you know, and and put it out there and I'm sure it'll be successful. Yeah. Come at it from a different angle. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As somebody who who's done a lot of, you know, as somebody who's done a lot of coaching growing up, um, I have. My, I have a lot of thoughts around how best to onboard new players, and it's one of my questions I had written down. Um, you know, Legacy has the the dollar amount buy-in, which is tough for some people to get by, but I also think Legacy is a really complicated format compared to, and I've played some modern and played some pioneer and standard, but there's a there's a learning, there's a pretty steep learning curve with Legacy for mm-hmm. new players. So I had the thought of, you know, explaining the more popular decks and some play patterns or you know whatever the, whatever the thing is um so yeah I, that is actually a hole that i see in legacy content right now is there isn't really anyone doing new player friendly content uh legacy uh was it was a legacy weapon legacy our, our friend oh, jamie yeah, yeah legacy uh, weapon is it legacy weapon yeah so legacy weapon uh was doing it for a while that that was a great podcast back in the day and they were very much new player focused mm-hmm. where each episode they would take a different deck and break down and explain it for new players and since they kind of wrapped up shop i don't really know very many people I, out there doing a newbie focused uh legacy content definitely definitely to hop in here when i first came on this podcast back in 2015 i was like very new to the format as in I had played one SCG Open after listening to this podcast, and that was my first time ever playing Legacy. It was really you guys introduced me to both, introduced me to the format. Um, and then when I came on the show, that was very much my role was like, and Adrian and you both encouraged that, like, no, ask questions. Like, you know, if you don't know what a card does, definitely bring it up because again, if you're not, if if you think are thinking that, there are other people out there who are also thinking that. And now that I've been playing this this game, this this format for. Geez, four years now. I've I've lost a little bit, a little bit of that le- that newbie sheen, so to speak. You know, so um, even though I still try to approach it from a learner standpoint, um, obviously I have had enough experience in the format to know some things. Like not not everything is brand new to me anymore. So um, yeah, I think having that kind of um, that keeping that learner's eye to it. You know, I guess I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but you know, trying to really look at it from a fresh perspective of someone who doesn't know what's going on. I think it does lead to, to really good content. And I think that there's just not a ton of that out there for sure. Yeah. The, the learners, I, I actually set up a, uh, I set up a new Moto account with the idea of creating content and the tag is student pilot. Just so I have, I have all my, you know, no matter what game I'm playing, mm-hmm. I always, I'm always coming at it with, I don't know everything about this tech. I don't know everything about this matchup. Um, but we can explore and learn and, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll figure some stuff mm-hmm. out. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's the other thing. Um, a really basic step that I think a lot of people gloss over is what's your medium going to be? Like, are you going to be a podcast? Are you going to be YouTube videos? Are you going to do live stream? Like, wh- how are you going to approach it? Uh, yeah, I had I've not gotten that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out the you know the value, and mm-hmm. then I think the medium will make itself known. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, personally for me, um, just because of like my lifestyle and the way the way I kind of consume media, uh, I've never really been that big into Twitch. I'm not great with Twitch streams and doing it live. I'm very much more of a YouTube person. I like being able to consume content on my own time and not really have to worry about another person's schedule. And I feel that's something uh, that there isn't really that much of on uh, YouTube. A lot of the YouTube stuff is more scripted, uh, more review aspect, more finance aspect. Um, There aren't too many people doing gameplay YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the the people I can think of, uh, like the Legacy Pit does the stuff on YouTube. They'll stream it on, they'll have the VODs on Twitch and then they'll upload it to YouTube. By the way, VOD stands for Video On Demand. So basically, if you look in the past past broadcasts on Twitch, you can find like what are called the VODs there. So those are the old broadcasts. And they don't save uh, indefinitely um, unless they're uploaded to something like YouTube where you can access them at a later time. Um, I think there's, depending on how how big your streaming platform is, you might have 30 days, you might have 90 days or something like that, but they do all eventually uh, go away. So, Um, But yes, I, I agree, Jerry. I think that there's probably less on YouTube than I'd like to see. Um, but I also think it's important to have like uh, strong organizational skills when it comes to your YouTube videos, so they're easy to find. They're all properly tagged and and things like that, right? Right, exactly. And just uh, being able to be like notified when they come on. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is my boomer side showing, but I just <laughs> I just don't really like the Twitch interface that much. I'm not that big into streaming, but I do consume a lot of YouTube videos mm-hmm. uh, about yeah, the different subjects. For for someone who's new too, you know, I see I get notifications on my phone that like Reed Dukes come on or Eric Landon's come mm-hmm. on, and I said, "Great, it's a one o'clock on a Thursday." <laughs> you know, I, I, I want to watch this later. Yeah, um, and you know, you support those support those guys where you can. But it is better it is better at least uh, for some folks to to be able to consume it via YouTube because you can you know pause and watch it in your own time. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention too is I know you had said you're kind of you're kind of trying to figure out what you want to do and and sort of that the medium will come to you uh, when you when you sort of have your your goal set out. And I, one thing I want to just mention is like, and this is for everyone obviously, is make sure that you're setting realistic goals because one thing that um, I wasn't prepared for when I started podcast. Well, I was just say I wasn't prepared for it, but I didn't realize the amount of time and energy that goes into making even the uh, a one hour podcast every week is, is pretty daunting. And um, you just want to make sure that you are aware of what you have to give and that you're comfortable investing that it's always time and often money. Um, And just make sure that you plan accordingly with, you know, to make sure that like, you know, if, if Jerry and I wanted to put out and this is perfectly honestly, like would be something that would be really cool. If you wanted to put out like a, or anyone for instance was like, Hey, you know what I want to, I want to be like, the uh 20 minute deck dump podcast right like where every week we spend 20 minutes going over the deck dump and kind of commenting on where the metagame is and that's that's the 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 spot that we live in then you know that like your preparation time for that show is going to be maybe a little bit more than something like jerry and i do where 
we don't do a ton of prep because a lot of our a lot of our show is kind of I think Jerry and I have built up a pretty good rapport between each other um where we can kind of we we can wax poetic on pretty much any subject i don't need to know i literally don't know much about anything and i could talk about anything and just completely <laughs> and that does drive some people insane some people hate the fact that i will make kind of and and i think it's part of my brand like i will just make statements without having like relevant data to back it up um but that's just sort of like the kind of person i am it's and, and a lot of it is in is in jest and in good fun um, it, it it blows my mind that some people still haven't figured that out yet yeah, about oh, the for show. Sure. For sure. <laughs> like for sure. the number the number one criticism that we get about the show is people wish we were like more serious and yeah. more like competitive oriented and and those are the people that I say it's like if you don't like what we do go do it yourself. Yeah. And I mean and and you know what thanks to that that constant advice you've given to people there are like seven like active legacy podcasts out there. <laughs> so it means a lot of people listen to the show and decided they didn't like what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, they were just really pissed off, seven. pissed off at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so it's it. But yeah, I I, I think that um, just having realistic expe- expectations and and know, like I said, know what you're willing to invest because, like I said, Jerry and I we don't spend a ton of time prepping for the show most weeks. Um, most of our time is actually spent in the recording process. So we said, you know, our our shows might be an hour, an hour and a half. They, I mean, they used to be like obscenely long until I had to put the kibosh on that because I just wasn't, I wasn't down for doing a three-hour podcast every week. But, um, uh, you know, we try to keep them to an hour, but that's you know that's an hour of our time. And then, of course, you know, be- because we we have an awesome uh, Patreon backing that really a lot like affords us the ability to hire an editor and our our editor Justin who does a fantastic job. Um, but there was a po- there was a time where I was like Jerry, I don't know if I can keep editing this podcast like i'm going back to school i don't have time like it's just it's it's getting really stressful for me and um thankfully i mean geez i mean i can't thank the people who who are on our patreon enough like he was like well let's let's look into getting an editor for the podcast and that's been like a huge help for me it's been you know th- and that was something where like i was editing the podcast for i don't know what like two years jerry two and a half years or whatever and yeah it got to the point where i'm like look i i just don't have that that time anymore in my life to edit so uh, we were lucky that we had um and right. and you know uh a solution for that but yeah and and patreons matter man i can honestly say that without the patreon this cast would not still be going yeah, on 100% 100% um it just it takes a lot of the the burden off of it and mm-hmm. it it really keeps it that project passion rather rather than you know if you're sinking your time into it and your money into it you just start burning the candle at both ends and it starts going from a labor of love into you know this obligation mm-hmm yeah, yeah, it, it, that's that's a hundred percent sure. And then, and again, like one thing I, I want to say too, this isn't even on our list, but sometimes you do have to, even though you might not feel like you're up to it, sometimes you just have to grit your teeth and get through whatever whatever the work is for the week. Um, I've definitely been there some some Mondays where I've been like, man, I'm like I'm beat or I'm just not feeling into talking right now. But uh, there's and there's been some Mondays where I've where I've banged out on Jerry and Jerry's carry the show for me and it's it's been it's gone both ways. Sometimes you're just not feeling up to it. But there, I'm sure there are weeks where Jerry and I are on the same episode. We're both like, yeah, we don't <laughs> we don't really it, we're phoning this one in. Yeah, well, you, you don't feel like it, but um, but I think a lot of times too, you kind of find your stride midway through the episode. So I would also say sometimes you have to just put on your big boy pants and 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 put out the content because. Because again, like you said, Jerry, like consistency is so important. And like, obviously, if you're sick or you have something going on with your family or whatever, like that obviously takes precedence. Like without, with, you know, without even having to be said. But, 
um, sometimes you need to just you need to just put the content out there because you want to be being you want to be consistent, right? Like that's such that's huge. The the number one difference between a successful content uh, and unsuccessful is the consistency. Mm-hmm. Like people people rely on you; they need to be able to rely on you. And if you're sporadic and you don't have a schedule and you just do it whenever, like people aren't going to be able to follow your content because they don't know when it's coming out. Yeah, compared to. Us, where every Monday we record, every Friday we release like clockwork. Yep. And I guarantee you, we wouldn't have half the number of followers that we do if we just did this podcast willy-nilly. Right. If it came out, some weeks it came out on Tuesday, other weeks it came out on Thursday. Like, people know when they when they wake up on Friday morning, go on their commute to work, they're going to be able to listen to Leaving a Legacy. And we've kind of made that part of our... Um, part of the appeal of the podcast, I think, is that we're very, very consistent on that on that level. Yeah. That's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought of. I mean, it makes sense. You know, we we all we're all kind of creatures of habit. Yeah. So we, I imagine, you know, folks start to get used to y'all's voices on Fridays. Mm-hmm. How many times, Jerry, did like a like an episode like they were it was it was late for whatever reason or hadn't been <laughs> uploaded, and people would like people would message us like at like seven in the morning, and be like, "Where's the episode? It's not out yet." It happened all the time. Uh, we have a good system now with hipsters where I email it the night before, and it's it's like I think there's only been one time where like. The the date like the the timing the timestamp on it was wrong so it got ended up getting released like twenty four hours later than we wanted it to but um it's been really really consistent which has been fantastic yeah for sure uh what other questions do you have Josh um I th- think the last one is we may have answered it already but it's how do you think one can create content without necessarily an expert perspective. Um, and I think we kind of talked around it a little bit, mm. but, um, you know, maybe that's a question for you, for you, Pat, as a, as a fellow. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, I actually love this <laughs> question. I'm, I'm glad you asked, asked me to answer it because I wanted to jump in there. Um, I think as long as you're not painting yourself as an expert, as long as you're like, Hey, we're here to learn this together. We're here to take this, this, this one-on-one course together. And, and you're honest with your audience. I think that that's actually a better way of looking at it because, if you think about the way that magic is structured, most people are not experts, right? There are very, actually very few experts in this game. So if you come at it from the perspective of a, of a learner, you're going to reach more people than a, than someone who's coming at, with the perspective of someone who who is an expert. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you see that in some in some uh, pleasant Kenobi sticks out mm-hmm. in my mind as someone who's very direct and like humble about mm-hmm. what you know when he when he screws up screws up a play or plays a chalice and do a chalice you know he, <laughs> i think you know it, it, it makes him seem personal so I, personable so i i can appreciate yeah. that for sure yeah i think i and like i said it's there's something to be said for being having a, a more relaxed fit feel to a show or a series uh, where you still want to be professional and you still want to put out good content and you want to be you want to have a polish to it but like you also want to have it has to be real it has to be really you and if you know, you know, there there are times where I can speak with uh, an amount of authority uh, on subjects, and other times where I can't. Um, but I I try to be upfront with like this is my opinion or or whatever the case is. So um, yeah, I think I think as long as you're upfront with your audience, they they know what they're getting. Then being being a non expert is sometimes more endearing to your audience than being someone who's like I said. Who comes at it from a? I've played this match of five thousand times, and I can do it in my sleep. You know, I think I think being like coming at it with fresh eyes is just so so much more appealing to your audience. Yeah, and it's it's different too, right? You're 
you're creating a an environment where it's not this is the right way. I think I think a lot of I, I kind of fall into this trap myself, but people want to do the right play. Mm-hmm. They want to make you know they cast the right spell at the right time. Um, but if you kind of loosen the reins a little bit there's there's more to learn in, in the space uh between it, right and wrong oh, it's that. funny because yeah, because the because the way magic is structured is there often isn't an obvious right way you know there's there's decisions that you make for the wrong reason that end up working out down the line there's decisions you make for the right reason that end up going wrong down the line and that's just kind of the nature of the game and you know it that it's kind of a relief coming at it from that newbie perspective because there are a lot of people out there who kind of have a little bit too high of opinion of their own opinion <laughs> and and if you disagree with them on that they take it very personally and you know it they that's where you you can have a lot of these negative experiences with the community and so if you just can avoid that entirely by just you know being up front and saying hey i'm learning this right now here we go uh i think that that can actually be a bit of a relief from a content creation standpoint uh one more thing i wanted to add to um and i we kind of again like you said we kind of tiptoed around some of these things um as we've talked about content creation in general but um one thing that I think Jerry and I have always kind of stuck to is like your criti- your your critics aren't always your audience, right? Like sometimes the squeaky wheel is the one that gets the grease, but it's actually not the squeaky wheel who's riding with you from start to end. Um, so, <laughs> you know, Our biggest critics have never listened to an episode of this, Pat. <laughs> do, do you know what I'm saying, though? Like I've, I've had people who are like who will say something on Reddit or on Twitter or whatever the case is, and then I look at like oh, we've had no interactions before. This person doesn't follow me. Like, I've never heard their name before. And, like, they're not part of the Facebook page, whatever the case is. And, like, oh, they're just, like, they saw a link to our stuff. They listened to five minutes of it. They didn't like it. And they decided to be, like, the angry person. They, I don't know. They're, they're having a bad day and want, wanted to get it out on someone else. Um, I think I think you're giving them too much uh, credit by saying they listen to five minutes of it, Pat. I think usually they read the tagline. Yeah, and the it's that's blurb. Or maybe they just don't like me. Like they might have listened to maybe might have listened to us for a while and decided like, oh, Pat's like I just don't like the way that he goes about approaching this game, which is fine, which is fine. So, but like my my point is just like the people who are who who might complain or have things to say about you aren't always the people who are actually your audience. Sometimes they're just they're just shitty people, uh, so don't take it don't take it too much to heart. Um, I would say, yeah, I think uh, I also try and keep in mind too. Sorry to no, interrupt. No. I, I I try to keep in mind too that it's so it's I, just in life in general, but it's so much easier to criticize someone than actually build something mm-hmm. or build or build someone else mm-hmm. up. So I in general try to keep um, people's shitty attitudes. Try not to take them personally. Yes. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, and I, and I think. I think that circles back around to why it's so important to choose a topic that you love because that will really carry you through those hard times when you get those just internet trolls banging down your door. Mm -hmm. If you just remember, it's like, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing this for me because I love doing this. I'm not doing it for the approval of some, you know, random person on the internet. Yep. And that's, that also goes into like the other, like the kind of the subheading I have on this one is like, listen to the people who love you. Listen to the people who actually support you and don't be and and again don't be afraid to follow your own compass like if you feel very strongly that this is the thing you want to do or this is the way you want to do it then follow that and see and see it through don't be too swayed by the people on the sides who don't have the guts or whatever you want to call it to do the thing themselves like they'd rather just 
tear down other people who are trying to trying to do the thing. So, um, yeah, I don't I'm not trying to be too negative with that, but that does happen on occasions. And, and honestly, I think Jerry can probably also say, like, we get pretty much overwhelming uh, uh, appreciation for what we do. Um, there's not yeah. a lot of the not a lot of the crappy stuff that goes on, but it does that, it does happen on occasion. Yeah, because to the other side of that is the friends you'll make through through content creation is some of the best friends you'll have. Yeah. You know, there are so many people in this community that I wouldn't know if it wasn't for the podcast. In fact, you know, I might not even be still playing Magic right now mm-hmm. if it wasn't for this podcast keeping me interested in those low points when the you know format was just really shitty. Yeah, when it was all but, Sensei's top and uh, Death Ridge on. Yeah, so <laughs> like there are so many awesome people that you meet. You know, so many people that uh, all over the country that I never would have known if it wasn't for the podcast. Um, you know, so, so many people that make me laugh and make me smile and, you know, when I'm having a bad day, message me and cheer me up. And there are so many great people like that, that, you know, for that alone, if nothing else, I think is a great reason to get into content creation. Hadn't thought of that. I like yeah. that. I mean, I think Jerry and I, I mean, I, I think I've talked to Jerry more than anyone else in my life besides my wife and children. And since, since I met him in 2014 or 2013. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Yeah. That, I mean, I'm serious. Like <laughs> there was one point where Jerry and I were having... We were having conversations. Josh, you're not going to get any more rides to uh, tournaments. <laughs> like, they're like on a daily. Jerry and I are having text, uh, uh, Facebook Messenger, Twitter conversations, and conversations on Discord simultaneously, all with different different people, uh, different topics. Uh, but it's it's been, it's pretty it's pretty hilarious actually. The amount that yeah, we talk to each other. We're kind of like a, a hive mind, Pat. Like we'll be talking about like one thing on text message and then we'll have a group message going on Facebook Messenger with someone else. And then we'll be talking to the new guest with a new episode through Twitter Messenger. And just like at the same time, we're just talking about so many different things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I anyone who wants to get into content creation, even if you want to ignore everything that we just said and say, hey, I know how to do this better than anyone else. Watch me do it. I give you my full 100% percent per support yeah. you know the number one thing is just go and do it mm-hmm. for sure cool guys thanks were there any other questions you had for us or uh no i don't i don't think so i think that covered all of it um we, we did go pretty know, in just, depth <laughs> I, I like you know i i like talking about this stuff and uh I, i'm starting to i care more and more about the uh the uh format every time i go get spanked at a <laughs> living a legacy tournament so uh you know, it's it's a good it's a good community in general, and um, happy to be a part of it. So I, I guess I'm just trying to find ways to contribute yeah. and uh, and make sure that the uh, the dialogue stays alive. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's a big thing. I mean, that's been the resounding thing that's been a shared topic among everyone who's come to us in the last week, ever since the SCG announcement. Is everyone who we've talked to who wants to get into content creation? A big motivation for them is you know they love this community and they want to contribute to the community so that the community continues. Um, because yeah, I mean, people get tired, people put things away, you know, life come happens. Yeah. You can't just rely on the stalwarts being there all the time. You need, you need that fresh blood of content creation to step up when other people take breaks. Mm-hmm. And speaking of Pat, I also want to shout. we got uh, a bunch of people reaching out to us about the consortium thing. So yeah. that is something we want to keep working on. Uh, if you reached out to us, uh, definitely keep reaching out. Uh, we want to organize something. I don't know if we're going to like start a just a group chat or something yeah that might be, that might be the out. most it, maybe a discord would be the most uh would be the best way to do it. i don't know we'll figure something out but um yeah we're, we're we're working on it we're trying to figure out 
basically like if you have a consortium of legacy events that feed into feed into something or do something with each other, trying to figure out the best way that they can each benefit each other and grow each other is is the biggest part. So we want to figure out how how to you know, like like for instance, if, if like the, the leaving legacy open want to take a small amount of the prize pool and send it to you know to say to offset the cost of a flight to somewhere else in the U.S. for like an invitational style tournament, we can do that because we have you know 100 to 150 people attending all the tournaments. So that's a small amount of 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 the prize pool to to, to take out for that. Whereas like if someone wants to do a, a 30 person event, that's a little harder to to take out. Of the, so we're trying to figure out the best way to make something really fucking cool for you guys. That's really what it comes down to is like, how can we make something really fucking cool that people really want to participate in? Yeah. And speaking of, I don't know if this is spilling the beans too early, Pat, but we, we have been approached by a possible sponsor to maybe do a West coast leaving a legacy. Yeah. I just got a little bit of goosebumps when you said that Uh, (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. Um, It's all very much in its infancy and, and I I almost don't want it. So, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. I almost don't want to say it because I'm afraid of peeping, setting people's expectations yeah. too high. But it is something we're actively looking into taking the Leaving Legacy tour on the road. Uh, the problem with it is it does cost money yep. and does require sponsors. But, you know, there are some pretty amazing, awesome people in this community. Um, so, you know, if it's something that can happen, we're definitely going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be very, very excited for that. So it's all. Like I said, it's it's very much in its infant stages, and it's it's just kind of ideas being bounced around right now. So, but um, if it's something that you guys are interested in, let us. Know. I mean, we've had a lot of people ask us, like, are you guys going to take this show on the road? And it's like, well, Jared and I both have real time, like real full time jobs, and and uh, you know we have families and we have other responsibilities. But um, if we can find ways to make it work, I'm I'm 100 down for it. So. Yeah. And really the biggest thing is the reason why the Leaving Legacy Open is successful here is because we had the partnership with Michelle, the store, mm-hmm. uh, Gaming Etc. Um, you know, Michelle's a great friend of ours. She owns Gaming Etc. She she hosts the events. Um, really, one of the biggest costs uh, of a tournament is the venue for one and then also paying the judge staff. So the fact that Michelle already has that in place because she's a store that runs tournaments anyways and already has that infrastructure that deals with, I would say, 90 Ninety percent of the you know setup and uh, effort it takes to run a tournament. So that's really what we're looking for. It's great that people reach out to us and you know want to help out. Um, but really, like what the key is is you know putting us into contact with stores that or venues that have the space and the infrastructure in place that we can get this set up without you know basically reinventing the wheel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Awesome. Should we get into some scoops? Yeah, let's do scoops and poops. Let's do it. Jerry, who are you going to scoop in top eight this week? Uh, I'm going to scoop in my friend James for hooking me up with uh, a Disney Plus account and letting (laughs) me uh, mooch off of him so I can watch The Mandalorian. Oh, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't watched it yet. I just got it today. All right, good, 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 good. good. So so scoops to James for hooking hooking me up with that. Uh, also, I just wanted to scoop in the awesome community. I made a post in the Facebook group a little while ago, just asking for people's uh, favorite uh, stories about the legacy community. And there were some awesome responses in there, Pat. I recommend uh, anyone who hasn't seen it to go take a look. Uh, but there, there's some really wholesome stories about what makes the legacy community so awesome. And it's good to have a thread like that that you can go back to and look at and remind yourself uh, you know why? Why we all play this game? That's awesome. I've met some really awesome people because of the because of the game. So I'm very thankful for meeting some of the the really coolest people that I've that I know. Uh, that's that's really great. I'll have to I'll try to link the uh, the 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 
page and the or not the page but the thread in the show notes if I can because that that sounds really cool. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, all the other friends uh, from the legacy community like Brian and Nate and Zach and just everyone, Justin. There's there's so many good people in this community. It's it's really insane. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Any poops? Ah, uh, poops. I don't think I have any poops this week, awesome. Pat. Yeah. Awesome. Good, uh, good stuff. How about you, Josh? Do you have any uh, scoops in the top eight this week? Uh, Jerry stole my scoop. <laughs> uh, I was gonna, I was gonna say, you know, the the community up here in in Boston's really, um, really welcoming and, and helpful. Um, and yeah, thanks to Michelle for uh, continuing to host the the tournaments and giving us a place to play. Um, and then my poop's going to be to uh, Ren and Six. Good riddance. <laughs> awesome. Oh, wait. I forgot. My standby poop pad is uh, the reserve list. Oh, right. Poop on the reserve yeah. list. Yep. Uh, yes, yeah. Of course. De facto poops. Yes. De facto poops every episode. <laughs> All right. I'm going to scoop in The Mandalorian because unlike Jerry, I uh, I did watch it this weekend. I signed up for Disney Plus because I'm an adult and have paid $7 a month for it or whatever it is. Uh, I watched both episodes on Saturday. Okay, Boomer. Yeah, I watched both episodes on Saturday. Yeah, fuck you, by the way. <laughs> Man, can you get believe this Boomer, oh Josh? God, he pays so, for his I've streaming so people say that to me, and it actually makes me more and more upset every time it happens. <laughs> like, I, I went from, like, laughing it off to being, like, like actually slightly irritated. Um, oh, man, are we causing, like, some some PTSD with Boomer? No, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't call it that, but anyway... Um, uh, so yeah, so the Mandalorian uh, has been excellent. I really, really like it. Um, it's just, it's uh, it brings like uh, it's like a sci-fi western. It just, it just like hits me in all the right places. And um, yeah, it's just been it's been really fun to watch. Uh, it definitely feels like they're catering to me, but I love it. So I, I, that's fine. <laughs> I like being catered like, to, like any normal Pat, rational person does. Pat just like throws his hand out with like a pishot. He goes, "Go on, yeah, of course, go on." <laughs> Who doesn't like being catered? That's the most insane thing. Like everyone likes being catered to. That's that's like the best thing in life is to be catered to. So, uh, yeah. And uh, my poops uh, are on Ren and Six. I'm just gonna add more fuel to the fire, and I'm just gonna uh, I'm gonna say you're a bad card. You should feel bad about what you did to the format. Legacy is better without you, and I'm hoping that. The rest of your friends from Modern Horizons get get the axe as well. I just want to, my closing thought on Red and Six is you're a shitty person, but I think you were treated a little harshly. <laughs> but you're still you're still pretty shitty, and you probably deserved it. But like I was I was willing to like give you a give you a buy for a little bit. <laughs> oh man! All right, Josh. Um, if someone wants to get a hold of you, uh, where can they find you? Do you have like a Twitter handle? Uh, I don't have a Twitter okay. handle. I'm not good at the social medias. I am a I am a, a wannabe boomer myself, <laughs> Pat. I also pay for Disney nice, Plus. Nice, nice. Um, I, I can sit down. I can give you my contact information. Happy to chat with anyone who's uh, interested in chatting about what we talked awesome. about. Awesome. Yeah, and you're are you on the Facebook page as well? Yeah. Yeah, so they get you there, and and you'll have the link for our Discord if you want to get in there, and uh, if you get a stream going, let you know. Don't ever be afraid to let us know. We'll put it up on the Facebook page as well. That's a it's a great spot where we like to. Um, aggregate a bunch of legacy content a lot of people post their stuff in there so it's, it's pretty sweet great thanks for having me guys appreciate it of course um all right well don't forget to like follow subscribe all the stuff that we do we appreciate everyone's support you can follow the cast on twitter it's at l-a-l-m-t-g you can follow jerry at j-m-e-e-3-r-d you can find me at pat uglo the stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy you can find the show on Patreon. That's a huge place where you can support the show directly. It's patreon.com slash leaving a legacy. Find us on hipstersofthecoast.com. You can join the Facebook group and you can email us. Again, I've been asking for emails. I said that we were sad we haven't been getting any. Still none. So it makes me feel like no one's listening to us. 
Send us some emails. Uh, leaving it's a legacy Pat. at hipstersofthecoast.com. Pat, we get like messages and Facebook stuff all the time. No one uses emails anymore, I man. Want Everyone's emails. But why would someone email us when they could just hop on the Discord or hop on Facebook and just send us an instant message that we get pinged on that shows up on our cell phone and then we reply you know right why, then Jerry? and there? It's because instant messages are temporary, but emails are forever. They're not though. They're also digital. <laughs> like special thanks to Justin Lutz. He's our audio tech, our sound engineer. And also my, he, he, you know what he does for me, which is like pretty amazing, actually. Uh, he prints out all my emails as a hard copy and then mails them to me where I can put them in a file next to my desk. So I can see. Do you fax them to yourself? Uh, uh, sometimes. Sometimes when I'm feeling bored, I'll, I'll just randomly send out faxes to other businesses in yeah, the area. Got a fax. Yeah. I mean, Pat, that, fax yeah, that really hurt. That that hurt me because I had a boss that had me do that. Had me pr- <laughs> print out print out his emails and put it in a uh, every time a new Manila folder. I take it from like the stack of fifty Manila folders. Print out his emails, put them in a Manila folder, and give him it as part of like the the finance reports of the morning. Yeah, I, I, I had forgotten that, Jerry. It was, it was an allusion to that story, which is one of my favorite stories about your crazy boss. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry. Okay, okay, my boomer. boss made me print out all his emails. Wait, what? He made you do what? Yes, I had to print out all his emails. Oh man. Uh yeah, it's it's insane. But anyways. <laughs> all right, thanks, Josh, again for coming on, man. It was awesome to have you this week. Um, you know, don't ever be afraid to reach out for more advice. Whether we whether we helped did we help you at all today? I don't know. I can't tell sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You gave me a lot to think about. I appreciate it. Awesome. And uh I'll definitely see you guys uh around at these these tournaments around here. Sounds good. We can't wait. Uh don't forget we got the uh Pioneer event on December fourteenth at Etsy. It's gonna be a good time. Hopefully I'll get a chance to play a few leagues. If you have some great Pioneer content you want to link to me, shoot me an email leaving a legacy at hipsters of the coast.com. That's it. Have a great week, guys. We'll catch you all on Monday or next week, I guess. Next Friday. That's it, Jerry? That just yeah? Come on down to